0: So glad you've joined us today. Uh, our guest is a good friend, Pastor Jared Henry. He's a lead pastor of Mackey Church of the Nazarene in Mackey, Indiana, and has been serving in pastoral ministry since 2003. He was saved at the age of eight years old, sanctified entirely at the age of 18. He and his wife, Sarah, were married in the year 2002 and have two children, Jacob and Hannah. And Jared also serves as president of the Holiness Partnership, which we will discuss uh, in this podcast. So, Jared, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on Right to the Point.
1: Hey, it's great to be with you, good to talk with you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to share.
0: Well, we met along the way when the Holiness Partnership began. I think it was at the first meeting over in uh, Kokomo. Was it in Kokomo, Indiana? I believe uh, yes. Yeah. Kind of introduce the Holiness Partnership. It's Genesis, uh, what it does and how folks can be engaged. And that'll kind of set the stage for where we go next.
1: Sure. Um, so there was a group of uh, 12 pastors, uh, uh, primarily within the Church of the Nazarene, who who uh, saw there was a lot of trends that are taking place culturally, especially in the church in the United States, Uh, toward uh, adoption of some things that culture has already readily embraced, but uh, according to the word of God, as Christians, we can't, but those ideologies and that worldview began to kind of influence uh, the church, uh, local churches, uh, lots of denominations even, and so we just felt like uh, rather than respond as a lot of other groups have responded when their denominations or their churches were being influenced, it was just saying, we don't believe that, we don't believe that, we don't believe that. Uh, we said, what, what's the real root? What's the root of that? And I think it's getting away from fidelity to the Word of God and uh, for us in the Church of the Nazarene, our message that God's call, it's not our, only our message, but a biblical message of God's calling us to be holy, in every area of our life, and so that uh, that's kind of the impetus for us gathering. And as we gathered, we just said, "What what does it mean for us to hold up uh, scriptural truth, and then practically making the bridge from that truth to our everyday life and some of the issues that we're facing? So, how can we be faithful and fruitful in in the ministry? And so we we just want to come alongside leaders, lay people churches, uh, our denomination, and uh, promote those kinds of things because we believe the church of Jesus Christ can be faithful to the word of God and the truth of the gospel and and be fruitful at the same time that we can do both.
0: Amen. And and I'm a, I'm a Nazarene because of this beautiful doctrine that we hold dear. This is uh, an incredible moment that yeah. we, we're entrusted with. God's entrusted us with a very unique moment in in history, and so those pillars, yes. if you will, of of our faith, of of our denomination, uh, just like others, have been challenged by ideologies that have crept in that have uh, begun to be embraced throughout culture, and many in in ministry who have faced, as you alluded to there, th- their response was to either remain silent. Or to go along with a with a trend uh, to change their theology, uh, but then there's also the option of standing mm-hmm. firm, not just standing firm in a um, uh, in a. Uh, Rigid sort of way, but in a firm in a logical and sensible. Have a conversation and let's understand what we really believe. And that's what I appreciate about the holiness partnership. Yes. You're you're approaching this conversationally with biblical truth. But I think that's having a tremendous effect. Don't you? Don't you? Well, yeah,
1: I, I, absolutely. But and here's the thing: I tell folks often who are who are starting to navigate these issues, maybe in their local setting or denominationally. I said, what we need are people, men and women, who have thick skin, but a tender heart. And a lot of times we have thin skin and a hard heart. Uh, We we want the opposite of that. I really believe that you can have thick skin to be willing to stand unapologetically upon the truth, but at the same time, do so in such a way that is winsome, that is gracious, and that is full of love, love, holy love, Toward those who we disagree with and and you know you, you kind of mentioned that this is affecting a lot of churches this is not even new to our time period in our culture this is this is every generation of the church throughout history has had to deal with the fact that we live in the world but we're not called to be of it and so we have to constantly be be uh addressing and going back to the word of god how does what's going on in our world how is that informed by what the, the the God of the universe, the creator, says and has revealed to us about how we're to live life? So from the time of the Israelites, when God's, he says, you know, you're, you're in this world. I don't want you to be like the Canaanites, though. You're not to be like them. And it starts with having a mind transformed because how we think begins to impact, will always impact how we act, what you value will impact how you behave. What your priorities are will impact what you do and what you make time for. And so we're living in another time period where we've got to do just that, and that is how do we um live out the call of God in our local context regardless of what the culture around us is saying? And uh, we want to we want to keep doing that.
0: Here here. And and there's let's just plow into uh, a particular issue because this is where as we understand what the scriptures say, uh, we are given great example as Paul left Athens, headed toward Corinth uh, and and he was overwhelmed with some of the issues that we deal with today, the, the issues of uh, sexual immorality and uh, some of the things some of the ideologies that are that permeate our our culture today that people, in every church are looking at their understanding. And as you alluded to that, there's a worldview. We'll do what we think. Uh, The attack on Hmm. the mind, all of this has been a concerted effort to change the minds of people. Uh, But the word of God does the same thing. So the counterfeit approach is to change the mind, drawing people away from their creator. But the biblical approach does just the opposite and brings glory to God. As we speak biblical truth, to these issues, especially in the issues of human sexuality, yes. that are everywhere uh, around us, yeah, and
1: I, I think we have to approach those things from from with the authority of the of the Word of God and uh but also with the recognition that were it were it not for what God has done in my life, I would I would be in those places, no doubt, and so I think we can do that graciously and continue to minister to people. If you look at the New Testament, what we have is people like Paul who was, who was killing Christians. And even in Paul's letter, for example, to the church at Corinth, where he deals with sexual immorality, you know, it's evident that these folks have come from sexually immoral background, a culture that is sexually perverse in a lot of different, ways not only homosexual, but heterosexual immorality of, in all kinds. And, but he speaks to that and says, this is not who you are anymore. You're, there's, you're new creation in Christ. In Romans, he says, our transformation comes from the renewing of our mind. We've got to think about these things differently than the rest of the world. Who has the authority to say uh, how we are uh, to act and practice our sexuality? Uh, I think it's a creator uh, who designed it all, who came up with the idea. Sex is not bad. It's part of God's design. But it's to be done in the way that God designed it. When we operate outside of that design, which is one man, one woman in the context of marriage, then we do ourselves a disservice and we sin against God. And so I I think uh, to to deal with that is important because every generation, again, is going to have to deal with these kinds of things. And we're certainly facing an affront, maybe that's peculiar to the history for us in the United States in terms of uh, homosexual practice, transgender issues. And we have, to, we have to clearly articulate these things because our ambiguity is harming the next generation of, of young people growing up in the church. We've not equipped them to understand, one, what, what's God's design? And why is that the best design? And why are these other things contrary to that design? Or what does God say about it? And I've just found that as I, as I even tackle these issues from the pulpit in, in, in preaching and in teaching kind of context, People are refreshed. They 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 are renewed. They're in, in, encouraged by these things. Now, does that mean everybody likes it? No, but that's been true anytime you talk about anything that's God considers sin that people want to practice in. However, people are hungry to know what God's saying. If they're seeking,
0: they're hungry to know. What does God say about this? I, I've I've experienced the same thing. When people hear the Bible does talk about these things, there's a relief that comes upon a believer Oh, okay. So I've got some, there's some foundation here I can build my understanding on. And in our culture today, many of those issues when, when I, and I don't know for some, maybe it's fear to say anything for some, maybe they don't know what to say. So they say nothing, but silence often is seen as an endorsement and culture. If, if they are yes. not getting a biblical worldview, their worldview is being built by something else. That is diametrically opposed to the truth of the scriptures, and so I, I, you really hit on something there. If we're to speak to these things, you've got to know the biblical perspective on these things, and and that's where uh, you know the concern for our schools of higher learning, our, our screw are uh, concerned for the pastors that are articulating on the issues because they they are seen as a biblical authority, and if they're not speaking biblical truth to that. Uh, if they're coalescing in any way and just, you know, uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and and then compromising the truth, that is incredibly harmful generationally.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and we, and our, our folks are starved for that. Um, You know, I think some pastors are intimidated about talking about these, you know, hot button issues for maybe a variety of reasons. One, one, we don't want to, Uh, A a good pastor has compassion for for the folks of their church. And so sometimes they just don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want to alienate anybody. They don't want to make anybody upset. That's not all cowardice. Some of it's just a pastoral heart. Um, But the the, the second thing I think is uh, we're so afraid of being considered political today. Like the greatest evil would be that God has something to say about civil government and how we operate. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand that from some folks that uh, were intimidated by that. That may be a cultural push as well. And I'm sure you've heard that as well, Brother Tim.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, and, and that's back to some things that, that we don't learn theologically or historically. In our culture, there is a vacuum of historical understanding of who we are as a nation and where we came from and how pastors have always been engaged in speaking biblically to issues. And so, for for many things, they're not political issues. They're biblical issues. And we've relinquished yes, control yes. of them to politics when actually they're biblical things mm-hmm. that we need to discuss. We need to know what to say and how to say it. Then we have to have the courage to speak biblically to it. When you do that in love, I not only do people appreciate that, I believe... That people are attracted to a church that teaches biblical truth about what's happening real time in their world.
1: yeah, and and what 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 does a prophet do but to spend time in the presence of God with his word and come back and say, this is what God says. Uh, this is what God says about what's going on sometimes. And I, that's not to say that every Sunday from the pulpit, uh, you know, I watch CNN or Fox News or MSNBC and just regurgitate. Current current things going on. But I do think that if 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 to be a disciple means that holiness is uh not only the rule of my personal life, but it's it's how I how I interact with the world in ways that are holy, edifying to Christ and glorifying to, to Jesus. And so even in the voting booth and even in how I practice my faith at the workplace or at my school and sometimes those again bridging the gap between scripture and the practice of of my life whatever wherever and where, whenever that might take place is is important and i think that the, the responsibility of the church in discipleship jesus great commission go make disciples of all the nations and, t- and here's what he says we don't we don't often quote this part teaching them to obey all that i've commanded this is that's part of discipleship. That's actually the responsibility of the Church of Jesus Christ to teach people what God's commanded. This is what it means to live a holy life. This is what it means to be Christ in the world. And we've we've not we've we've negated that in some ways in some situations especially concerning things that are that are difficult that people are starved to hear uh clergy and prophets and pastors speak to again, I
0: think. And you're right. It's not. It's not um, heartily welcomed at times, and and so you you and I both know what it's like to preach a hard sermon, where we need to speak to something mm-hmm. an issue, and then if there's a fear factor, and that's that's a big part of another another nuance of our culture, yeah. if you will, because there's the fear of being canceled, the fear of being labeled, and that sometimes can be. Uh, a driving force for a church to pull back on taking a strong stand. However, uh, it's needed now more than ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, John the Baptist is one who who spoke out about immorality for, from the king, and he, he ended up losing his head over it, literally, you know. And so why would why would we expect in our service to Christ, who warned us, you will be persecuted, Uh, you will be be mistreated, you will be rejected by some, but is our own preservation more important than sharing with people the good news of the gospel that you don't have to continue? You mentioned sexual immorality. You don't have to continue in sexual immorality, but by the grace of God, you can live in newness of life. You don't have to give in to every sexual urge and desire and Temptation that you might have, you can by the grace of God say no. That to me is good news. I don't have to give in to the temptations that come my way. And uh, why wouldn't we share
0: that good news to folks and tell them about what God's doing? And that's a message that is often uh, vacant. Let me let me uh, since you since you began with the, the Holiness Partnership and you've traveled a lot, you've met a lot of pastors, you've met a lot of church members that my experience is as i travel that folks like to talk <laughs> they like to tell me what they're concerned about or they're mm-hmm. worried about and so what what are you sensing is the greatest need in the church or the church of the nazarene right now in america in the uh, climate we're in and and you know you can you can mention a few topics take your time but uh, what what's the greatest need and perhaps what's the most needed response.
1: Uh, I would say, um, and just let me speak since I since I'm a, a pastor or you know and, and a preacher, uh, I, I'll speak to to that. What what's needed in the pulpit? Uh, maybe first, uh, one. I think people are starved for biblical preaching, not just preaching that happens to have a couple verses sprinkled in, but that the essence and the core and the foundation of standing in front of the the congregation is is rightly dividing the word of truth to them. That they are hungry for that. And um, and they're they are wanting someone to say even things that might be hard for them, that might be considered, you know, oh man, I'm challenged in that area. I think there's still there's a hunger for that Um, among laity that are believers and maybe have been for a number of years. There's also a desire for that among people new to the church the 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 current cultural climate maybe or the the ideology uh, among some ministers is that we don't want to alienate anybody uh, intentionally with with the message, but Jesus said I, the stumbling the gospel is a stumbling block. It's foolishness to some, you know, and so it, that let it be, you know. Don't let my personality or my quirks or whatever be that stumbling block, but let the gospel do what the gospel does. And and but but newer people who aren't Christians who who are uh, searching or seeking get frustrated because if they do come into the church sometimes the the uh, a pastor is so ambiguous about truth that you walk away. I mean you've probably heard sermons. I'm not sure where that where that person stood on this issue. They yeah. danced all the way around this thing three times but weren't clear about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I, I just think that, um, that, that so biblical, biblical, biblical truth, clarity about that truth, and then, and then uh, the, making sure to emphasize the good news. We don't end with the diagnosis. In other words, you know, I go to a doctor and he says, you got this disease, I'll see you later, you owe me a hundred bucks or whatever the doctor visit is. You know that, That's not the kind of doctor I want to go to. I want to go to a doctor who's not going to lie to me about my diagnosis. But he's also going to be able to say, "We've got a procedure here," and I think in the church we can say, "There's a procedure. If you allow God, He will change your heart. He can take out your heart of stone and give you a new heart." Hallelujah! Amen. And so I, I think that there's a real strong desire for you know biblical preaching, clear preaching, and and uh, good news preaching uh, in our, in our pulpits, teaching that way. Uh, I think that people are starved for that, and it's just refreshing to them. When they experience that,
0: God give us a revival of expository preachers that uh, champion mm. the truth of God's word. Now, uh, let me kind of circle back to again, as a pastor, uh, Jared, the, we are also blessed living now to begin to minister to different generations who have distinct approaches. And a distinct um, uh, understand or, uh, how can I say it? A distinct ways of understanding and responding to to things. It's there are marked some marked differences. We're all human, but there are some, you know, generational issues that that really give me heart because I as I'm seeing uh, younger generations, there is more of a hunger for reality, for for genuineness, for authenticity. And, and we yeah. need to be ready to, in a very good way and effective way, articulate uh, and push people to the word, because once they get hungry for the word and get a taste of the word of God, then they're going to to be great students of the word. I'm really hopeful for some young generations I'm seeing, aren't you?
1: Yes, yes, I, absolutely. I, I am too, and, and I, I think that uh, uh, people, uh, younger folks, are starved for some authenticity. Are there are there some uh, just like any generation who are so in love with the things of this world that they're not going to release and and embrace Christ? Sure, they probably are. But there's more. I think you know the recent uh, revival in Asbury at Asbury University uh, of young people and uh, that went on for a number of days. I think is 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 it's just more evidence to. It's not that people are rejecting Jesus. Sometimes they're rejecting that the church has settled for a form of godliness, but denied the power. And so we've uh, we're we're not just against sin; we're for Christ. And we 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 we, we've got to lift up Christ and exalt Him, and uh, and and disciple folks again. And be real; we can't just fall into the forms, have church, and not talk about hard issues because that could be controversial, we might lose somebody, we're losing people, because we're not talking about them, uh, these issues, and then our young folks are going to school, they're going to university, they're, they're on social media, they're watching uh, Hollywood, and the, the, the greater news media, and they're hearing different things, and the world is not afraid to talk about these issues, in fact, the world's not afraid to ram it down their throat, uh, and so we we've got to get past this this uh, you know uh, unwillingness to talk about hard issues. I I, I preached um, a couple of years ago. Now we our church was we, we were you know kind of coming out of the COVID thing and still trying to build back up. And and I I told them I said I'm going to preach a message next week that's going to be talking about sexual related issues. And I was in the book of Corinthians, and I said I'm just I I want you to know. I'm rating this PG-13 cuz I want you to, you know, your kids may want to go to the children's church. We had the biggest attendance since COVID had started that Sunday and uh because I think one it was a little it was maybe a little bit uh, dramatic to say, well this is PG-13 sermon, you know, I wasn't graphic or anything, but but people people were hungry to hear what the Bible had to say about these issues because they heard all kinds of things and a lot of folks, especially younger folks, had uh, their feedback was nobody's ever said the things that you said nobody's ever told us you know this is what the bible says about you know living together before you're married about homosexuality about gender issue whatever it might be we we, we haven't heard these things and we want to know because there is a desire and so sometimes as the church we're not only dealing with these hardline uh antagonistic folks who are uh, militaristic in terms of pushing their agenda, but there's some folks who've been caught in the crosshairs or in the crossfire of all this. And they're genuinely trying to, trying to figure things out. They've just not been taught the truth. They've not been showed the way. And I think our young people, I hate it when, when some folks in the church say, well, all the young people today, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, don't categorize all of them in the same boat, because like you said, there's a lot of good folks, young people who have such a desire for God and they're starved for some older folks, leaders, preachers in the church to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what he's called us to. And it's good.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's good. I remember when the old Burkfeld ruling came down from the Supreme Court, I, I began to, to tell people, I'm going to talk about this Sunday. I'm going to talk about this Sunday. And man, we had a full house just to hear what, you know, was mm. what said and, and sometimes And I've heard that. It's it's a little disheartening to hear. I didn't know the Bible said anything about that or nobody talks. I I appreciate that. Thank you. But it's a little sad. It makes me sad because that's not happening. And at the same time, there is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week stream of information going into the hearts and minds of our children and grandchildren that's teaching an entirely antithetical worldview to them. And so it's necessary; it, it's truly necessary that we uh, that we say something, and these young lives uh, need exactly. something. It, it, you know, I, as I work for the F, uh, the Family Research Council, George Barna's data that tells us only six percent of Americans have a biblical worldview. Twenty-one percent of those who attend church regularly, nineteen percent of all born again believers uh, that say they're born again, fifty-one percent think they have a biblical worldview. That's the climate that God's entrusted to us. Uh, those who they really didn't know the Bible said anything about it, and maybe their parents didn't know either because they didn't have a biblical worldview. That that to me, Jared, at the same time as 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 it is depressing, it is thrilling because there is fertile ground, mm-hmm. truth, and we get to we get to preach it and teach it, don't we? yeah absolutely and and here's the
1: thing that I think this is it, it in some ways is exciting because uh not that not that the in the church they don't have a there's so few people have a biblical worldview but the reality that we have an opportunity maybe like never before to speak in to the lives of those that are our brothers and sisters in Christ those in our churches and even beyond yeah. and uh not 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 to force our opinion but people are looking at pastors, at leaders, the church at large, and at least to say, okay, what do you have to say about this? Because even people who aren't Christians are still w- wondering, okay, what does the church have to say about this? And so we've got to we've got to use discernment, we've got to use wisdom, uh, and uh, spend time with the Lord and in His Word to rightly divide that, to communicate that to the world, to be to be the conscience for our culture, for our go- for the government um uh, where we are at and uh to to begin to say hey when you're ready here's what god says about this you need to know this because righteousness exalts a nation sins are reproached any people and i think that we're going to see you know people that have gotten away you know for example i I think abortion is the murder of a child in the womb no doubt but we've got to start to be able to articulate not just uh, the political phraseology, but but also the biblical reality. I, I tell people often, if I, when I talk about I- I- issues like abortion, abortion is not a political issue; it's a moral issue. We've got to be able to make sure that those things are not conflated in the minds of people. Yes, this is there's political things that are going on about this. The same thing is true of sexuality. We are harming the the transgender stuff. We are harming folks. You know the, the most and, and and a lot of folks that are even within the church that are want to compromise like on the transgender they' well you know we if we really love people we're going to accept whatever their preferred pronouns are whatever their preferred you know gender is we're going to accept that but but I think that's not that's not at all loving and I use the illustration that if I had a uh, somebody in my office who was dealing with anorexia and they just said they looked across at me and said, you know I just think I just think I'm fat. And I, I really am. But I'm looking at them. I'm thinking about their skin and bones. They are they are malnourished. They are they are harming their body with this perception that they have of themselves. The most unloving, hateful thing that I could ever do is say, you know what? You are fat. You're fat. And that's exactly what we are being pressed to do when it comes to the transgender issue. And is that loving? No. Is it truthful? No. Is it right biologically? No. Is it right biblically? No, it's not right in any way. And so why do we think that untruth is ever loving? Now, you can be harsh with truth. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm suggesting that if we're going to be loving, uh, we're willing to risk something so that people will know the truth. They might reject the truth. Uh, That's not our responsibility. We can't force people to accept it. Uh, but they might reject it, but there will be some that will accept the truth and we will have been a part of God's redemptive work in their life. And so that's where the church has got to get, we've got to be that place. And we've got to talk and think through the issues of transgender. Why is why are certain things uh, sexual immorality? What is the harm that comes from that when you deny the creator's uh, plan for our sexuality? You know, uh, all these cultural issues, they're hot button. But we've got to explain them and we've got to talk about them. It's important.
0: Here, here, and and I, James letter to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. Uh, when when we don't yep. speak truth, <laughs> we're, we're sinning. We're we're not being uh, biblical and we're bringing more harm. Thanks for that perspective. I I I really appreciate it. I don't know that I've ever heard it put any better than that, Jared. Thank you very much. Uh, the holiness partnership, uh, is something that I want to point people to the HolinessPartnership.com is the website. Uh, there's an event coming yeah. up in Indianapolis here in, in June. Um, but then, uh, other events will be featured there as well. Folks can sign up there so that they can get updates. Kind of talk about that real quick before we, uh, before we land the plane here.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, there's lots of resources on our website, um, we have uh, an online magazine uh, that that is out there that you can see. You can actually download it as well. You can view that. You can view the articles individually. There's some resources under the resource tab. Uh, videos from other speakers at previous gatherings that we've we've had together. You know, some might like call it a conference, and but um, uh, you can see some of those those things there as well. And uh, like I said, just just various resources uh, for people to utilize, and there is information about. Our gathering. So, um, and again, just trying to be a resource for people to be faithful and fruitful uh, when it comes to the gospel and their ministry.
0: Amen. Pastor Jared, it's an honor to spend time with you. I appreciate your work. I appreciate your ministry and I deeply appreciate your friendship. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you. And as we post this, we'll have the holinesspartnership.com link there for folks to to follow up as well. So uh, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. It's been a blessing and a pleasure to be here. Thank you.